Do you wonder if others are dealing with the same project management challenges as you? Not sure where to turn for guidance and leadership? Office Hours are in session as we discuss project management and PMOs with global leaders, hearing their story and learning their secrets to success. Our goal is to empower you and help you elevate your PMO and project management career to new heights. Welcome back to Project Management Office Hours with your host, PMO Joe. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours. We're the number one live project management radio show in the U.S., broadcasting to you from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and for the next hour, we'll be talking project management, design thinking, and several other topics. Before we jump into the show, also wanted to share with everybody that the new global community site, the PMO Leader, is now live. We're working towards our big launch event on April 2nd, uh, but you can go out there and check out that site. We have a global advisory board with a partner, uh, Fatima Abuchi out of Australia, Billy Mawape out of Zambia, Leonardo Torres from Spain, and we're working on closing one more council member. I think we're going to be getting her from Iran. Uh, also, if you're looking for any sort of content, right, content, training, coaches, technology, peer-to-peer interaction, destinations, blogs, forums, coaches, consultants, software, podcasts, trainers, speakers, you name it, all of it is out there. Uh, we, you know, we're one world and we're building one community for the project management PMO leader space. So uh, take a few moments of your day, head out to the PMOleader.com. I think uh, our guest today is going to be having some content out there in the not-too-distant future as well. I also want to thank our sponsor, the PMO Squad. They're the premier PMO consulting firm in the U.S., offering PMO as a service, agile, and project management resources, PMO consulting, training, uh, and they're working with your team to help you deliver better. So visit them at www.thepmosquad.com. Reminder to everyone to visit projectmanagementofficehours.com as well so you can see a list of all of our upcoming episodes. And boy, do we have a lineup for you booked for the remainder of this year. Uh, we're now booked all the way through June uh, and into July as well. Got a, a great message on LinkedIn today. Uh, I don't want to announce it until it's formal, uh, but I think one of the top names in the industry will be on our show uh, in the second half of this year. And today, I'm excited to have another one of the top names in our industry. Bruce Gay is joining us live from Pittsburgh. Thank you, Bruce, so much for joining me today. Thank you, Joe. If you can, just take a moment or two and share a little bit about yourself with uh, our listeners today. No, excellent. Excellent. That's that's quite an achievement to have your bookings all the way out to June for this. This is, you know, you got quite the the magnetic pull here. So yeah, thanks for having me on. My name's Bruce Gay. I've been a project management professional certified since 2005. Currently reside in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with my wife, uh, two daughters and a dog. I'm heavily involved with our local PMI Pittsburgh chapter their director of um, corporate sponsorships. So I help uh, pull in and uh, engage with our corporate partners, um, both locally and regionally, uh, to help support our members and our events that we have going on with the chapter. And a little bit about my background and story. I'm originally from Raleigh, North Carolina. 
So I don't quite have the Southern accent. Um, my parents were from Massachusetts. So I grew up uh, speaking a fairly um, neutral um, mid-Atlantic um, accent. My brothers, however, oddly enough, fully um, Southern accents. You would not, you would definitely feel that they're from North Carolina, South Carolina. So went to school at University of Chapel Hill and then to George Washington my career goals at that time uh, were to become a diplomat, to work for the State Department. Oh, wow. Um, so so everything, everything I was doing was geared toward that. Um, I was in advanced um, German courses. I was taking Russian. Um, I had, you know, a deep affinity for geography, politics. In the early 90s, the State Department really wasn't hiring. So I had... Um, I went through their process. There's an intake process that they basically go through to, to be hired on as a State Department employee. And um, they weren't they were not hiring that much at that point. Mm-hmm. So my first job out of graduate school was sort of a project coordinator and gopher. And that's that's how I started my career. Never heard of project management. Uh, it was not even something that was on my radar screen. And in fact, my first two or three years, I was doing a lot of faxes. I was recording expense reports. In fact, I would say the majority of my job was processing expense reports and that and then helping with writing status reports. I would say that that really got me into um, interested in doing more international travel. But at that point, met my wife, Monica, and we settled down and she's a Pittsburgher. And so there's a contingent of Pittsburghers that boomerang back to Pittsburgh from the Washington, D.C. area. And so we've been here now for about 22 years. Well, there's a lot in there. I mean, I, uh, just personally, I'm a Boston Red Sox and Pittsburgh Steeler mm-hmm. fan. So you got you have a Massachusetts and Pittsburgh connection. So that's always go. exciting yeah. for me. I was spoke at your Pittsburgh PMI chapter event. And that has led to PMO Squad linking a customer out of the Pittsburgh area. So hoping to get to uh, travel up there in the fall to see a Steelers game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then what's a fax? You said you were faxing. What? what oh. Are, do they? What is that? It sounds that vaguely is, familiar. Exactly. A facsimile <laughs> machine. You know, it's you take one piece of paper, you dial, it screeches, <laughs> and then it pushes the data over the wire to the other machine on the other side. And... Yes. I mean, that was, um, <laughs> thinking back, it was right on the cusp of the internet. I think I might've gotten a, an email address my second year of working, uh, at that point. But, um, yeah, we were using telex and, and, um, fax machines to communicate with our offices around the world. And that was how, how we did business at that point. The newer project managers out there don't have an appreciation for that, right? Uh, you know, man, I, we've got, we've, Slack isn't working today. How are we going to be able to communicate, right? Well, exactly. it used to yeah. be, I remember the days where we would write a memo, pass it down the end of the cube, and it would be in the outgoing mail bin. And then mm-hmm. once an hour, the guy would or woman would walk by, grab that mail, deliver it to the department. You'd wait a couple hours, you'd get your response back, right? Their email didn't exist when I started my career. So exactly. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's certainly a different world we're in now. Yeah. And I'd say at that point, you know, my title was project coordinator. I still think I did not understand the fields um, as uh, that much. When moving to Pittsburgh, I was hired by a telecommunications company. And so I was in a, an arm of that uh, company that 
laid down fiber and put in equipment. And this was during the late 90s when there was sort of a, a liberalization of telecoms. My job, and I tell people jokingly, I was a, I was a sort of a, a schedule jockey. I spent almost all of my time in Microsoft Project. Uh, don't ask me what version it was, but it was one of the <laughs> earlier ones. And, and I'm one of those where I have a warm spot in my heart for the earlier versions of Microsoft Project versus the more recent ones, which have a lot of additional uh, add-ons. But I was um, managing a team of project managers in our small PMO. We had approximately 80 construction jobs going on, um, both physical um, buildings as well as um, laying fiber and putting in equipment that we had to track at all times. But it was very intense. I, I really I became an expert at Microsoft Project at that point. Yeah, I think... You know, it's interesting. We've had several guests uh, when we've talked about how did you start your career in project management? And it's accidental, right? It's the accidental project manager route because when you and I were in university and college, right, there weren't PM degrees. You, you couldn't get one. They didn't teach that there. So I'm interested maybe in the next 30, 40 years, right, how that's going to play differently because now there are degrees, both undergrad and graduate degrees in project management. Harold Curzon and I had a bit of a discussion about that and, and he wondered who's teaching it because, mm-hmm. you know, how, how the experienced PMs out there are in corporations working. So exactly. who yeah. do yeah. these professors actually have the experience to be teaching the courses? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over time. Yeah. And, and I can tell you, I was shocked maybe about a decade ago or maybe about eight years ago when I started to see degrees being published online from for project management, um, getting a master's in project management, getting a, a, you know, undergraduate degree in project management. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I, I who, who was, who's going after this? Why are they doing that? And um, I, I think that that was, um, that was shocking to me. I'm, I'm sort of proud that our, our profession has advanced that level where it is now, you know, there's quite a bit of art in addition to the science that we have, but it it's clearly there's enough science and there's enough rote and methodology that can be taught as a as a college um, uh, curriculum. I, I find that fascinating. As far as practitioners versus academics, I have uh, I, I do some part time teaching for um, Norwich University out of Vermont. Um, it's a school that's tied with. Um, the veteran community, it has one of the oldest ROTC organizations. And um, I'm lucky I get to talk about things that I enjoy. So my, my class is about um, managing complexity. So it's really about a little bit of agile, a little bit of design thinking. Uh, and we close out the four-week course with Kanban. And I think people really, really enjoy the concepts around how to manage work using Kanban um, to do so. So it's, it's, a it's, it's, I think having practitioners know that they have value that they can teach to students. I think that will help the academic fields as well. And and interesting to hear you mention that your original career intention was to be a diplomat because to a certain extent, you're kind of a diplomat within the project management industry, right? I mean, you have your monthly list that you come out of events Mm -hmm. from around the world. You've presented at international events. I mean, you, maybe you're fulfilling your original career intent with uh, your existing career. I I think, I think you've, yes. Yeah. Joe, you've hit it right on the nose. I mean, I think 
obviously there's a lot of, um, we'll call it in the trenches work, um, you know, growing my family, having my, my girls, um, you know, now one in college, the other one in, in middle school, I'm getting back and I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I'm enjoying the, the connections with international uh, professionals, uh, you know, engaging in other cultural events and, um, you know, the internet allows us, it, it, it causes geography to shrink. And so it, it's, it's, um, I told someone recently, once we're allowed to travel again, if I wanted to go anywhere in the world, I have a project manager colleague who would probably meet me for lunch or coffee anywhere in the world. And, and, and that is, that is, um, I think I've truly found the tribe of people that I enjoy working with and yeah, it's fulfilling some of my earlier desires to, to see the world. And tell me a little bit about the list. Where did the idea for that come from? And then how do you keep it up, right? I mean, you're putting a lot of pressure mm-hmm. on yourself each month to make sure you come up with uh, the content for that. How does that work? Yeah, no. So for, for the listeners, um, I've been now for a little under two years putting out a monthly, uh, I call it a briefing, but it's also a, a newsletter. And um, it follows the same format. It starts with four items that are related to project management, three items that are something that caught my eye, two items that are miscellaneous for the readers to sort of um, dig their teeth into, and then one um, question that, that allows the reader to ponder. I have to admit that I, I sort of borrowed the format from a fairly well-known um, designer. His name's John Maeda. And so in the, in the design field, he is a superstar. He's the one that when there's South by Southwest, He'll show up and there'll be a full two-hour session on him just talking about what he's seen happen in the industry and what's going forward. And he's pretty well known. And I thought his um, his style of communicating is very minimalist. And, and I, I gravitate toward that and I, I enjoy the um, you know, keeping it simple. As far as keeping up on it, it's once a month. So the good thing there is I'm not trying to push out a newsletter every week. So the stress is a little bit better. And then um, what I do is I just sort of keep track of things over the month, um, put them in a folder for me to go back to. And then um, I try to be fairly balanced. So it's not all North American centric or just certain industries. It's actually associations across the board, different uh, project management associations, as well as things that are um, leadership, or even, um, uh, how would we say it, uh, sort of productivity related as well. So, And where where do you publish that or where can users get access to that? How is that visible to all of us? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's basically to join my list. Um, I'd, I'd advise people if they want to sort of opt in, go to brucegay.com slash sign up. And there's a, um, there's a form right there. So brucegay, B-R-U-C-E, gay.com slash sign up and that will get you to uh, the newsletter that I have. And it's, um, I've gotten some really good feedback. I've done some polling of my readers too, because um, uh, we'll talk about this later on, but one of the, you know, being that I'm interested in design thinking, I'm always interested in iterating on the things I produce based on my consumers and my users. And so this is this has allowed me to tweak some things based on feedback that I get. 
you know, so you, since you're producing that and you're, so you have to be current, right? You're staying up to date on everything. Mm-hmm. you get to see the different trends that are out there affecting our profession. What's, and actually, I, interestingly, I just posted a uh, new article last evening on my, my predictions for PMO trends in 2021, reviewed what uh, PMO Flash Mob had put together and Marissa Silva with Wellingtone, mm-hmm. uh, Antonio mm-hmm. uh, Nieto Rodriguez, what he had put together for PMI, and then 10.6 Consulting, what they had done. And I compared and contrast what all the uh, tarot card readers in our industry came up with, and then I gave my own list. Uh, so I'm <laughs> eager to hear what maybe you think some of the trends are uh, that, that's happening in our industry. Yeah, and I, I definitely want to hear yours. I didn't see um, your your posting, and I knew coming into this, I, I wanted to di- dialogue with you on on your trends because I know you you definitely have a breadth and a very solid network within our profession. For me, I mean, there's there's a lot of different ones. Uh, obviously, with the pandemic, um, I think remote work, distributed teams are are here to stay. Um, that that opens the opportunity for project managers to be um, supporting teams and, and projects that are outside of their geographical area. So I think, especially here in Pittsburgh, we 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 have um, some very large corporations, and uh, they contracted um, in the last year. And I think that. Some of the project managers we have, we're, we're, we're trying to connect them to opportunities outside of the region. Because I know, and, and you know, you can manage teams via Zoom. You don't have to be in the same area code. You know, it helps to be in the same time zone, but it, it, it can be done otherwise. So that's one. I'm sure you saw that hybrid methodologies, um, hybrid delivery is, is um, you know, at the forefront. And my feeling there is that there's no um, there's no pure application of agile, nor pure waterfall in what what organizations are doing. So we have to. It's a lot of customizing, but it's it's definitely um, the hybrid um, approach to delivery is is um, it's key and top of mind for me. The soft skills, emotional intelligence, that's been um, you know high on the list for for many years now. That's going to continue. Um, I think with remote teams, we're constantly practicing and adjusting how do we manage and coach and communicate with individuals who aren't physically in the same space as us. And I, I, I can admit, I, I have, I have um, that is something I'm continually working on because it's the, the in-person element. There's a feedback of energy there that you don't always get via a Zoom call or a remote webinar. And, and I think that... Um, that's that's something that's that's there. Um, we've heard about artificial intelligence. That that has been. It's always one of those where it's right on the crust. And I worked for the past seven years um, in my hospital system with the radiology department. So the radiologists they work through what would be the impact of AI and machine learning on their industry. They worked through that about six years ago. Through the same things, everyone at first was like scared, worried they'll lose jobs, worried about how they're going to be replaced by machines. Um, I think what we're going to end up seeing, and, and we've seen this in, in many, in, in somewhat more mature fields, it'll be an augmenting, an augmentation of the work that we do. So that my hope is um, the lower value tasks that we do as project managers can be accomplished by algorithms and workflows. And that allows us to do the more um, value add 
which is relationships, vision, uh, strategy, um, influencing it. That's the real, I think, value add where we come in um, across the board. So do these overlap with what you've been uh, thinking about, Joe? Interesting you asked that. On all four lists that I mentioned, they mentioned artificial intelligence and you mentioned it. And and I guess I'm the counter to that. I'm the tremendous benefit for our industry if it comes about, but I just don't see it anytime soon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not because there isn't a need. But when we think about as a consulting firm, right, we work with so many clients who are still on spreadsheets and they haven't automated anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, Project uh, Microsoft Project itself is still by far the most in-demand tool that that people use. I just don't see the end game yet of Mm -hmm. how it's going to be utilized. And 98% of the companies in America have 100 employees or less. And, and there isn't capital by those organizations yeah, to invest yeah. in it. So I just don't, not, not in 2021, I don't think. Um, no. So I, I guess um, I, I, I agree. You, you've pointed out there is um, inertia, there's stickiness, there is um, cost associating uh, with going to different tools. And when we saw this in radiology, it's very difficult to um, integrate in a cost-effective way, these um, AI algorithms into the workflow, into the process, because quite often that the, the hard work of those are developed by smaller, more nimble organizations. But the systems, I mean, our equivalent would be Microsoft Project. Mm-hmm. You would have to have something that embeds and works very seamlessly with Microsoft Project. There are vendors out there that are working on um, uh, scheduling and planning suites that um, have AI embedded in them. But they're, you almost have to adopt them wholesale. So it's as if you have to work only in them and you're not using Microsoft Project anymore. And, right. and I think they're, they're, the ones I've spoken with, they understand that they're not going to go after the large organizations. They've got to go after the middle, mid-sized organizations. But it, it, it's a sweet spot that their salespeople are going to have to be very careful to find. It's a small um, needle to thread. I'll tell them that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And and. And, and, and the, um, the thing that I'm currently looking at and that I'm, I, I, I feel like there has to be a solution out there, and there's a couple of startups that are starting to get this, I have this vision that we can have meetings and we can make meetings more efficiently and that neither I nor my project managers have to sit there and take notes and do action items and decision trackers and follow-ups. So automating all of that, that's my vision is to basically, I'm calling it making meetings more efficient. I've been engaging with some some startups to look at that, and it's still very early stage. So, your your assessment that um, not in 2021 uh, that is I I I would agree. We're still a couple of years out, but I, I think we're going to start to see more and more point solutions to do work around how can we automate some of these uh, more manual tasks that we've got. So yeah, I think the. The other thing for me on that topic is when Microsoft finds somebody that did it well, that's a small company, it will get implemented into Project Online or Project, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And since they haven't bought that company yet, nobody's doing it well enough to get it throughout the industry. But we'll see. Um, The other thing I said is, I'm with you. You mentioned hybrid delivery. 
uh, and I focused on the word delivery. My one of my other forecasts was that we as an industry will focus on project delivery more than project management, mm-hmm. um, where it is outcomes that matter and not mm-hmm. governance and audit management of the project. Right? It's the uh, we learned as remote teams this year, this past year, how to get stuff done. And you didn't necessarily have to do it the way you always did it, right? We all had to react to just get it done. Mm-hmm. And I think the industry and our home corporations loved that, right? It yeah. was the sales mentality now became a delivery mentality. Do what you need to do to get it done. And I think that's just as remote teams, I think, are here to stay. I think delivery is here to stay. Uh, and then my last one was that the most non-sexy one of any prediction ever made by man was that nothing is going to change, right? <laughs> so I, I, you covered, covered all bases yeah, there. <laughs> I just said, listen, the reality is we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, organizations aren't going to change because they, how do you do change, organizational change management when your team is a remote so mm-hmm. people were talking about different roles and structures and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. project results have been flat for a decade. If you look at pulse of the profession, right? I mean, it, yeah. everything's, yeah. so we think in the yeah. middle of a pandemic, stuff's going to change. So my prediction is it's the non-sexiest year ever. It's more of the same. <laughs> it's the bridge. Uh, you know what? That one is, that is the tagline. Oh, Joe, <laughs> that's a good one. It's the, the um, bridge, right? Pre-COVID to post-COVID. We're stuck in that creating the new normal to get post-COVID. I think post-COVID is going to be back to team building and emotional intelligence is going to skyrocket because we've been away yeah. from people for so long. Yeah. But this year, yeah. we're not going back to work this year or back to the office. We're all working, yeah. but yeah. we're not going to go back to the office this year. So I think this year is just more of last year. More of like, yeah, yeah. Now, now I have to admit, you mentioned you had clients that are working on on spreadsheets. The... um healthcare industry that I work in is still, um, you know, a couple of years behind other industries, isn't heavily digitized. Obviously, there are some large portions of our infrastructure and data that are digitized, but we were doing a lot that was, um, you know, still manual. And COVID came and really pushed us to digitize. I'm calling it digitized, but we basically, we utilized, um, you know, workflows, electronic workflows a lot more efficiently. If healthcare, which is is fairly conservative, can do it, you know, I, I think there's opportunity for the companies that you're working with that um, they can move toward more um, digitized and automated workflows versus the Excel spreadsheets they might be tracking. Yeah, how, how can we work smarter, right? I mean, and that's yeah, the, yeah. That and I'm with you. I used to my last corporate gig was managing the Wellstar Health System PMO out of Atlanta. Um, and yeah, we were, um, we were catching up to the rest of industry and technology. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I know, I know that feeling, but you know, all of that makes me think about, you had mentioned earlier design thinking. Um, and of course, I think most of what we've just talked about really is relates into design thinking as well. What's in a layman's terms, excuse me, for Mm -hmm. the listeners out there who aren't as familiar with design thinking, help us understand what that is. Definitely. Yeah. And, and, and I'll use an analogy too, because I, I, a lot of what I do, and this is what I'm passionate about. I like bringing aspects of adjacent methodologies and practices into use by project managers. The PMBOK doesn't cover um, these types of things. They do to some high level, but not at, not at this level. So 
design thinking is basically a um, it's a a user centered methodology that uses trial and error for immediate feedback to identify problems and then to help teams figure out the right solutions. You know, it's a mouthful and there's a lot of different ways of describing it, but let me use the analogy of um, there's fields that have been doing this, which, you know, includes literature, art, architecture. So let's, let's say I'm an architect and we can use this as, as a way. Architects have been doing what we now call design thinking for millennia. So take the architect. The first thing they usually do is understand what is it that they, their um, client needs? What is their client, um, you know, what is the purpose of the structure? Is it for a living? Is it for working? Is it for some other purpose, art? So they get to understand what are the needs and the vision of their, of their um, client. Then they also have to understand what, is, what are the constraints and the opportunities within the environment and the space that this um, structure is going to be built. So at this, this is exactly how design thinking starts. You start to look at what is it that my, my primary customer or the user of my service or product, what, what is it that they do? How do they operate? Where are their pain points? And what are they trying to get out of this service or product that they're buying from me? So then the, the architect, once they have this information, they go back and they start doing some initial design blueprints Sometimes they'll even build out one of those uh, wooden models that you see. And they take that and they go back to the clients and they say, what do you think? So there's a little bit of back and forth. And the architect and their team at this point will iterate on where they can make changes, where there can be adjustments. They'll discuss the feasibility, the cost, things like that. And then once it gets to a stable point, they then take it to another set of, of stakeholders. And these are I'll call them the public actors. These are the, the planning boards and the, um, the other city jurisdictions that, that allow for buildings to be built. You know, not, not every jurisdiction will have this, but there's typically something that allows it to be proved. And, and at that point, the design will go through another review, perhaps even more iteration, and then it's considered final. So what, the, what design thinking allows are, are groups of people to take time, look at their, their customer, understand deeply the problems, and then start to brainstorm and down-select solutions to solve those problems. And that's, that's probably the, the easiest way to explain it. Um, that I, and, and I normally explain it that way to um, people that I have in the business analysis world and the project management world as well. So as you're describing that, and I'm trying to relate it to our industry, right? I'm thinking, well, that sounds a lot like Agile, mm-hmm. right? Is, is it a, it certainly seems, although after you start building a home, you may be doing that in a more waterfall or traditional yeah. sense where you're not yep. going to yep. proof a concept, the plumbing after you've already run exactly. the plumbing. Exactly. So yeah. is it, it's a, seems related to Agile concepts? Yeah, there, there is an overlap. I mean, what we know as contemporary Agile that's been around as a known process for 20 years now, some of the things that are similar are the iterative nature, the engagement with your users for feedback. But then I, I think, too, that there's elements of design thinking such as really looking at the future, what could be, that I don't always find in, in, in Agile. And so you find a lot of people that are, are design practitioners that are very future 
out there sort of thinkers. And I, and, and I would say that that, that, that doesn't necessarily map to, to the agile work, but they're complementary. They, they can be worked together. And it's also, you can do the sequential, as you pointed out. So you do something as a discovery and solutioning phase, and then you get into the implementation phase. So that's, you know, very much the traditional sort of stepping as we have. So if we, you know, our world or industry dominated by a waterfall versus agile debate that's been happening, like you said, 20 years now, and I think mm-hmm. in a week or so, it's the 20th anniversary to the day of the signing yep. of the Agile Manifesto. So we're, uh, we're closing in on that. How, what are the benefits of using design thinking, right? Why is that of better benefit to us than something we may be more familiar with? Yeah, and 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 you 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 made mention to some of the um, delivery failure, and then sort of the percentages. We, we we as as an industry, and even as a profession, we know that project execution is not perfect. There's a lot of misses, and so what I see and what I help people understand is by using design thinking, you're going to get much closer to what your customers need by having subject matter experts embedded in your team, but separate from your customers. So, so one of the benefits is, is that you're going to have a much closer understanding of where, where your, um, where your customers pain points are. And this will also help you identify what I call um, design defects and defects earlier in the process. So we've known for a while that finding, finding defects earlier in the process are cheaper to fix than later on. And so the design thinking allows for more iteration and it forces that iteration earlier on to make sure that you're one, attacking the right problem. And two, the solution you're coming up with is hitting the need of your customers. And so that that really finds it early on. And then that that in, in itself, not only are you burning down risk earlier, it also has the potential to um, manage costs better. Um, I know when I first was introduced to design thinking as a project manager, one of my first fears was, well, how am I going to pay for these additional activities? How does this fit into my schedule? But in fact, there's there's ways to time bound this this work, this activity, and it, it's cheaper to find these issues early on than try to spend the extra effort in, say, the later phases prior to a launch. Um, and, and so there's definitely a cost savings there as well. Yeah. I, I, when I work with new clients, we always simplify the project experience or the delivery as I like to refer more than project experiences, define, design, build, validate, implement. Mm -hmm. No matter which industry we're in, big or small. I mean, that's what we do when we do a project. And as you mentioned, design, if we, if we design it before we build it, right? Trying to, again, if you put the plumbing in the wrong spot, right? When you go to validate that, it's more expensive to have to tear up the concrete and then have to yeah. do it over again. Yeah. So I'm yeah. with you on that. Totally makes sense. But here's the pushback we always get. Let's mm-hmm. see what you think on this is I don't, let's just go. I don't have time to keep designing this darn thing. Can you just start building it? Huh. Oh, that, that's where you have to, you know, bring in, um, and again, depends on NDAs you have, but you have to bring in the, the, the anti uh, examples, the, the, the negative cases, because we, we've all seen that when you jump on a problem, it's better to step back 
and attack it in a, in a um, methodical way. And design thinking does that. It basically says, look, our, our, let's take time to understand the problem and then make sure we're narrowed down to the problem, even with our solutions. I think that it narrows down the rework that could happen. And I think when you have a customer saying, let's just jump in and do it, the first flag I have in my head is we're, we're going to have rework later on. There's going to be, you know, change, change orders or something that we're going to need to like cover later on. So it's, it's a, uh, yeah, no, th- this is, it, it, it'll be a hard sell. I mean, I think people have to see it in action. I had to see it in action to really see the value, um, see it, how it works, because part of this is you have to manage if I was in your shoes, you have to manage a response to that by saying, look, you, we want to avoid the rework. We want to spend the money at the right phase and we want to do the right um, discovery and design before we actually get into really big dollars. Yeah, and I, I always try to take, and I'm with you, I'm, I'm a let's spend as much time in planning and design as we can. Uh, we don't want to over uh, commit in that time frame, Fairly. right? But, yep. um, but I always take it out of project terms. Right. I bring it back to, you know, if they're a manufacturing company or a marketing company, whatever their business is, I bring it back to them and ask them, what would they advise their customers to do mm-hmm. if they had a, a product that wasn't ready to go into the manufacturing line yet? Sure. And, you know, you can readjust the manufacturing line a second time, but isn't that expensive? Yeah. Well, of course, yeah. we would never do that. I'm like, well, okay, that's what we're trying to do with this project. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I wasn't very familiar with design thinking itself. I think a lot of the concepts I'm uh, passionate about. So I'm eager to dump, jump into that more and learn more about it uh, after the show as well. Definitely. Good. Yeah. And, and I've got um, lots of um, resources that link out to a lot of well-known um, sites on my website. So um, that's, that's available. And, um, you know, that, that is what I'm passionate about too, is just helping spread the word on some of these, these um, non-traditional methodologies that we as project leaders and business analysts can adapt and and include in our, in our toolkits basically, as we manage, manage teams. You know, another thing that, um, you know, mentioned earlier, we were talking about trends and Mm -hmm. something that aligns with that a little bit is, you know, what are you reading? The books that we're reading can help us either forecast some trends or maybe we're reading the book because of trends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I'm reading one right now uh, by Kim Wasson uh, called Socially Intelligent Project Manager. Uh, oh, yeah, on, yeah. On that emotional intelligence side. What's, what's on your reading list these days? You, you know, this is such a small world. I was one of the editorial reviewers of Kim's book. It was oh. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Small was world. Like Absolutely. Two, two years ago. So I, I have a PDF printout somewhere <laughs> in my desk. That No, that's definitely, hers is a good one. And, and she has a lot of good um, uh, use cases and stories. I think she had a lot of good stories in it. So yeah, most of my reading lately has been outside of the field of project management. Um, I'm, as I mentioned, a lot of the work and research I do is on leadership or productivity but one of the ones that really uh, that I, I found useful, and I must have read this before the holidays, was James Clear. He has Atomic Habits that's been out for about a year now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think all of us were trying to juggle many things. I think that one really showed me how um, I need to pay attention to some of the little habits and how they compound over time. So he had a concept that was called the 1% rule. 
And it basically is saying is that if you every day practice a habit, even if you get 1% better every day, over time that compounds and you will be so far that much farther ahead than your competition. And so it's not that you have to be twice as good or much, much better than your competition to get the results. You just have to be slightly better than them. And, and I think that also relates to um, having focus. Uh, that's been one of my goals for 2021, which is to prune back what I'm focused on and, and, and zero in on things like the design thinking project management um, you know, getting my, my company off the ground and that one. So yeah, James, James clear. That's a really good book. And I've been reading both online and his books. There's a fellow by the name of Mark Manson who uh, started out as a blogger. And I, I love, I love his writing style. He's honed it over time and he's very direct. He's the fellow that has um, F-U-C-K in a lot of his book titles so they're sort of humorous. We're like internet all, radio. You can say it if you want. <laughs> okay, yeah. So they're they're very they're very they're humorous, but they're also very they're they're very good. He's he's a very good writer. So uh, Mark Manson, and he's got an excellent um, blog site as well that that I'd recommend to people. Yeah, I'm, I I like to always try to have one industry book and then one leadership book uh, going, mm-hmm. and I I have Kim's going now in industry. I just finished. Uh, Extreme Ownership uh, by mm-hmm. Jocko Willink. Yeah, um, yep. that ties into kind of what you were saying. How you're trying to focus on something this year and be own that right and not get pulled yeah. in too many different directions. I highly recommend everybody. Uh, Jocko is a former Navy SEAL, and it's mm-hmm. there's a lot of good stories in there of his time in the SEALs, but also a very abrupt manner uh, of telling everybody basically own the shit you're doing. Right? I mean, if you're yeah. going to do it, yeah. own it. And, and don't try to take excuses because maybe it, it was outside your control, right? You delegated it. So it's not mine anymore. Well, no, own it. it you delegated yeah. it. You didn't, you didn't release it, right? You, uh, that's a great one I would recommend. You mentioned your new company, starting a new company up. So Estrebo, uh, mm-hmm. tell us about that. So Estrebo, and that's spelled A-S-T-R-E-V-O. So Estrebo.com. So recently, over the past three, four years, I've been doing a lot of speaking, presentations, um, workshops, getting more involved in the international project management community and um, the business analysis communities as well. And I saw I saw the opportunity to um, basically play in this space and bridge between design thinking and project management. And this is sort of where I've decided to focus on by having those two passions. Out of that had come more educational information, workshop development, and Estrevo basically helps teams to embrace some more innovative practices that allow them to um, achieve their their business success. And so uh, it is centered around design thinking, but um, Kanban is part of that as well. And this is really, I think, a space that um, project managers and even business analysts um, they're they're my main audience for for this this work and this help. So I'm I'm doing uh, a little bit of coaching, but mostly uh, workshops um, through PMI, a couple through IIBA. That's the the BA Association, mm-hmm. and um, you know we're, we're going to continue to to go as long as you know we have fun. And I think it's Estrevo um, 
means to me sort of a, it's, it's sort of achievement and striving and it sort of just came together as a Strabo. And that's, that's, um, the, the direction that we're going It's helping others to achieve. Yeah. As you were talking, I, I said to myself, I'm going to go Google Strabo and see what that means. It must be from some foreign language and it means something, but I couldn't find anything on it. Right. Oh, so no, no, no I, you know, as with anything on the internet now, you have to, you have to come up with names that are fairly unique. Um, and th- this is unique. I think there's, there is a Brazilian surname that's related, but that's about it. Yeah. And, and, um, my, my primary, um, service or product that I deliver is, is a workshop called it's day long workshop and it's called uh, design thinking for projects. And I've been doing this uh, now for two years, um, about one year for PMI in their seminar world, um, series. And, um, it's great. It, it's basically, it's an overview of design thinking specifically for project managers. Um, and we spend a bit of time about how to roll out the practice in an organization, we discuss the change management and even how to anchor it within the organization because there's um, th- this isn't something that that uh, you know overnight you can do and so it's it's something that that, that the teams need to um, those that are interested you need to get leadership buy-in you need to do some level of training and then the most impactful part of the the workshop is I have the students work through a real life um, design challenge. And because I'm in the healthcare field, they've all been revolved around healthcare or patient access to healthcare, something that, that people can relate to, but it's also a challenge. And so they learn by doing that, that challenge and coming up with some prototypes through the day. So you have your list that you, you do monthly, Mm -hmm. you, uh, work within the industry to present and facilitate uh, dialogue amongst all of us. Mm-hmm. You have a Strabo uh, that you do, and you're a PMO leader uh, for a, a real job, uh, f- yes. uh, your full time. How do you fit all of that into one life, right? I mean, that's too much work. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so, so in some ways, the, 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 um, the pandemic has propelled me to do, uh, to be more focused and to do more. And so, you know, uh, in Pennsylvania, we haven't had the most, um, strict lockdowns, but they've been pretty solid. So there's not much, um, you know, you do your day job, you have stuff with the family, you do some reading, but, um, this has been a creative outlet and, and, you know, I, I really enjoy working with other people and engaging and connecting them and, I think I'm at a point in my career in life where I'm giving back and I'm enjoying it. So this is, I think that's what helps power this through. So, and, and you know, as we talked about trends, maybe that's the new normal, right? How much time are we wasting by actually being in an office and mm-hmm. thinking that by working together in one location, we would be more efficient. We can accomplish more perhaps mm-hmm when we're apart because I'm not in the six meetings per day and I can get stuff done and I don't have an hour morning and an hour yeah. afternoon commute. Yeah. So I've yeah. got those two hours and my lunch is now 15 minutes instead of an mm-hmm. hour and, mm-hmm. and I'm not at the water cooler and I'm not. So we actually become more productive. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I miss the, the contact with my colleagues. I miss the coffee networking meetings that I would do physically 
But I think uh, you hit it. You hit it right. We're we're giving back about two hours a day. That's ten hours a week. That's 40, 40 hours a month of extra time to strategize, think creatively, and do. And so I think I think I've taken taken that by the you know by the horns and have run with it. So it's it's it doesn't feel like I'm doing a lot, but it, it, it's sort of what's what's happening. Yeah. yeah. And and for me, right, the PMO leader. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's been that outlet and creating what I like about the PMO leader is we've just created a platform, right? We're not trying to be the content producers so mm-hmm. that people such as yourself who have a workshop or right now, right? Peter Taylor has a workshop coming up on March 4th and he's listed that out on the site. So we're a platform to promote his workshop and people yeah, from around yeah. the world can go access that workshop, right? So as you have your Estrebo uh, design thinking workshops, we'd love to have that type of content on the site. Definitely. And now your audience becomes a global audience. Uh, and that's the power of a platform, right? To be able to provide our industry access to information and individuals that they might mm-hmm. not normally have had access to. No. And, and, and you know, um, I thought about this. That is a trend, too, because PMO Leader is not the only platform that's sort of coming up there. There are others around the world. And and I think the they're... they're they're hitting a need that we have. So we, we have a need to connect. We have a need to communicate better and we have a need to belong. And I think the, you know, the, the, the legacy, which is fairly good projectmanagement.com, mm-hmm. it's done what it's needed to do, but it's also, it's not, it's not growing in these spaces. And I think you and your team have come up with the right model and the right approach. And I think that's, that's going to be valuable. I think having these types of platforms, these larger forums that people of, of shared communities can work from um, is very important. Yeah, the, the PM Tribe and the PMO Global Alliance and the mm-hmm. PMO Impact Engine from Laura Bernard. And, you know, there's more that are out there. Absolutely. And, and the beauty of the PMO leaders, we're inviting all of them to come yep. in yep. our space, right? Because it's one world. We create one community, right? That's the mindset. Yeah, yeah. With that thinking, something new that I've gotten into, uh, thanks to Elizabeth Heron, is Clubhouse. Uh, have you uh-huh. heard of Clubhouse and have you jumped into that oh. new social media uh, platform? No, I, I'm, uh, you know, for, I, it's funny, I, I, I tell people I'm a Luddite. I'm, I'm not quite that bad, but I'm, I'm usually not a, an industry, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a leader in those. So, so what, what are you finding? What are the benefits you're finding from Clubhouse? What, is it, what does it allow you to do and, and that you weren't able to do before? Well, I'm, I'm only two weeks in, so I'm still a newbie. Um, mm-hmm. But what I'm finding is it's audio, since it's audio only, mm. right? It's instantly interactive with someone because I can hear if it's BS coming out of their mouth or if they actually know what they're saying. Mm. Mm-hmm. And in LinkedIn, Anyone can be an expert and they're going to yeah. write it and then we yeah. can comment on it and critique it. Mm-hmm. But we don't, you know, I can't, I don't, I can't react to LinkedIn in a written visual way, the way it is when I hear it, when I hear them mm-hmm. say it and the inflections and the, the, the pauses, if they are trying to think of the response because they don't really understand the concept. So to me, it's been the clarity of information from people from around the world who, who, again, I would never have access to and the range of topics, a lot of, you know, what I'll call just 
social stupid topics out there. Mm-hmm. People trying to find five minutes of fame and fifty dollars in their pocket. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. at the same time, there's within the industry, uh, whether it's podcasting industry or project management industry, great information. I mean, again, Elizabeth Heron and Jay Stone hosted a, a room on change management earlier this week. Uh, and then Elizabeth and I will be talking PMOs on February 16th. Nice. And, and again, it's an instant audience from around the world mm-hmm. that we get to talk to. And no other social platform do you talk to people. So yeah, that's yeah. why it's really, really powerful. Now, and business, the audience can you know, react. Can they ask questions? Yeah, it, that's you can host a room, can have a thousand uh-huh. people in it, and they can uh-huh. volunteer to go up on stage and talk to you. And nice. as, as owners of the room, you get to control who can come up and ask a question. Okay. Okay. So you can, uh, and then after they ask a question, you can mute them, and they don't. And that's it. You get their question, you react, and you move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. So it's instant audio voice interaction with people from around the world who um, some are there for the right motives. And again, some of them, mm-hmm. maybe not so much. Uh, and it's new, right? It, it's interesting. Yeah, you know, to yeah. see how it's going to play out over time. I like it. I mean, that's pretty compelling. I, I, you know, I've, I've heard about it. I never understood what it was, but I, it, the audio, audio only, that's intriguing. And, and this is, yeah, worldwide distribution is a plus as well. So yeah, I'll have to, I'll try it out. It's on my list. I'll put it on my list. <laughs> and, and it's, and the other part I like about it is when the room closes, since it was audio only, there's nothing recorded. There's no artifacts. It's over. Oh. Right. So there's, you're there or you miss it and, uh-huh. you, and you can't go back. So it's not people trying to create a trail of breadcrumbs to go back and find them. It's mm-hmm. you connect with them instantly. And then, again, you've got your other uh, social media links that they can, because you can't message someone on there. You can't email them on there. You can't talk to them on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it creates networking outside of the platform as well. And I had a, a gentleman, uh, I was in that room, again, listening to Elizabeth and Jay talk. Elizabeth mentioned, hey, you know, just at, threw me a question, right? Hey, Joe, anything for PMOs on Clubhouse? Uh, so she brought me up on stage. Mm-hmm. I said, not yet, but coming soon. And then a gentleman from UK reached out on me on LinkedIn and said, hey, I'd love nice. to be a moderator for you when you create that. No, that's 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 cool. The um, It sounds like it almost, I mean, uh, the thing I miss about face-to-face conferences is the networking in the hallways and the coffee lines and things like that. It could replicate that to some extent, but it's it, I, I like it. This is, I definitely will have to try and, you know, look for something that's that's uh, project the, management related. And the other thing in. I like is it's invitation only. Uh, so mm-hmm. you can't get in unless someone invites you. So if you're not in yet and you want to be invited, I have three invites sitting in my pool of invites. <laughs> I'm gladly give one out to you, Bruce, and then definitely whoever, send it to me, Joe. Whoever's that, that listening, <laughs> you get the other two. But uh, <laughs> if there's two people listening, um, we'll pass them out. Well, we're Excellent. we're closing in on a great hour of conversation. Is there anything, Bruce, we haven't gotten to, or is there anything coming up that you want to share with the audience? How can people get in touch with you to learn more about with you or, or maybe a straight yeah, no, It does all good. The, um, yeah, I can best be reached at bruce.gay at astrevo, A-S-T-R-E-V-O.com. And again, my website um, is astrevo.com. 
And if you want to sign up for my monthly newsletter on project management insights, that's at brucegay.com slash sign up. So unfortunately, I've got two separate uh, things going there. But um, yeah, the, the spring is looking pretty busy. I'm going to be um, speaking to a lot of different chapters. Um, I'll be at Seminars World in the upcoming couple of months. I'm doing something for IIBA Hawaii. We're doing some workshops for them. And I'm hoping to expand further you know, workshops. Um, doing something new this year, um, BA and Beyond. That is a BA conference in uh, March in, uh, out of Brussels. And so that'll be interesting. I really miss, you know, interacting with with uh, individuals outside of North America when I, mean, I have friends that are Canadian and, and, and Mexican. But but it's also fun, you know, comparing what's going on and what sort of lockdowns happening in, in Ireland versus Brussels versus Italy. So it's but yeah, no, definitely. And, and LinkedIn, as always, Bruce Gay, I'm a, a heavy LinkedIn user. And, and Joe, thank you very much to you and your team. This has been great talking to you. Yeah, my pleasure. Before I let you go, as a Steeler fan, it would be remiss if I didn't ask one Steeler question. Is Big Ben going to retire or is he coming back? I think he's coming back. He's coming back. It's one of those things. I personally think he's, he's toward the end of his career, um, but I think, I think he's going to be back. And we've got to figure out who's going to be the backups. We're having a little bit of um, a little weak uh, backup there as well. But good yeah. question. Awesome. Well, Bruce, thank you so much for being on. Uh, obviously, thank you to all of our listeners as well. Be sure to visit projectmanagementofficehours.com to check out uh, all the great shows we've had in the past and all of our upcoming shows we have coming up. The schedule for those interested, right? We have Fatima Obuchi out of Australia coming up next. She'll be followed by Bill Dow, Frank Saladis, Jennifer Bridges and David Knorr, Stuart Easton out of the UK. David Barrett from up in Canada, Alana Hill, and Danielle Torley, who was one of the um, TED Talks from PMI TED. So great shows coming up uh, booked throughout the rest of the first half of the year. And a reminder that all of these shows are recorded, so please be sure to subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on Apple Podcast or iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, whatever your platform of choice is. Uh, don't be bashful. Leave a review. Uh, it'd be nice to get some reviews on the show as well. Uh, we're now 28 million plus plays and downloads. So our audience and reach is fantastic. And I thank all of you. Also, of course, thank you to our sponsors, the PMO Squad. Visit www.thepmosquad.com to learn more about their purpose-driven PMO and all of their project management services. That's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time. I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Thanks for listening to another episode of Project Management Office Hours with PMO Joe. You're not alone in your project management journey. We're here to help you achieve your goals. Subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on your favorite podcast platform to catch all of our episodes and hear industry leaders share their story and secrets to success.